If you don't believe in your ability to transform your body or any worthy goal in life, you're not going to do it. It's just that simple. So they had two groups of maids, okay, that they cleaned hotel rooms. And they simply took half of those maids and informed them, just let them know, hey, did you know every day when you clean hotel rooms that your job meets the requirement for the daily exercise for the Surgeon General? The other group was told nothing, wasn't informed at all. And when they started the study, they did BMI, they did measurements, they weighed them in, blood pressure, cholesterol. And at the end of the study, the group that was just informed had lost more weight, had better BMI, had better cholesterol levels and better blood pressure than the group that just was not told anything. So just the fact that they knew in their head they had the right belief system changed the results that they got, even though their job did not change it. We believe that you are strong by design and you were made in God's image to have a strong body, mind, and spirit. You're listening to the number one strength and health authority podcast in the world. So let's get ready to unlock your potential and transform your life in today's episode. Hey, welcome to the Strong by Design podcast. I am your host, Mike Westerdahl. I'm here today with my good friend, Sean Hadsel. We've known each other, I'd say at least a decade now. He's a Christian brother of mine. We've worked together. We're friends. Our wives hang out. We've been on vacations together. We're in business groups together. Basically, I'm really excited to have Sean on the show today. We're going to be talking about something really cool, the laws of leanness coming up. We've got five of those that we're going to cover, but I always like to start with a little bit of a bio talking about Sean, like why do you care what Sean says? Why would you listen to Sean? Sean today is called the ripped grandpa. That's right. You're looking at him. If you're watching the video, he does not look like a grandpa. And that's also, uh, yeah, look at those guns right there. And most grandpas are not ripped, so it's a really cool name with the ripped grandpa. But um, Sean got started, um, his first claim to fame really was the Body for Life Transformation Contest, which was back in 98. There was 23,000 contestants, right? And uh, and Sean won that. That was part of his fitness journey that kind of got things uh, started for his career going into fitness and becoming an entrepreneur. Um, You know, after that, he... He's been a fitness model and a competitor, taking home second place in the World National Sports Championships. Um, he was voted most fit health and fitness pro over 40 when he was running his personal training studios in the country. Um, and then he went on to start a, several brands and be CMO, for those of you who don't know, chief marketing officer um, for several eight-figure companies. I mean, we could rattle some off, but he's consulted for Biotrust and some other huge companies as well. Now he's... Um, venturing on to a little bit more transformation coaching, but it's for high performers. It's for guys that are really struggling with body transformation, losing fat, but they're high achieving men over the age of 40. So that's who we're talking to today. That's what we're going to roll right into. So Sean, thanks so much for being with us today. That was kind of the abbreviated version of your bio. If there's anything I missed uh, or something you wanted to mention, why don't you uh, go ahead and say hi. Great to be here, Mike. Super excited to be on, continuing our bromance together. Of course, no. <laughs> no, the only thing I would mention is just 10 grandkids, you know, and that's uh, being a papa has changed my life. So we've been uh, 10 of them under eight, and it's kind of gave me a new lease on life. And it was actually uh, almost a motivating factor for me to leave uh, a very 
high-end uh, company and with a, a, a very secure, high salary. And I walked away to start this new business to help high performers just because I saw a huge missing gap in the marketplace over the last 10 years traveling to masterminds and conferences and going on vacations with all these guys who are successful businessmen. Honestly, all, all of them like way more successful than me. And I think that's another key to life in general is just surround yourself by people who are going to elevate you to their level versus vice versa. If you're always the smartest guy in the room, then you're never going to grow. But I saw a huge uh, missing gap in the area that I was stronger than them at. And that is my body and my body composition and being much older than a lot of these people. Um, and just seeing how much dumb shit they did. Like it was just, it blew my mind to listen to some, what some people would do to try to look elite when they look in the mirror naked. And it inspired me. I just saw this huge gap. I'm like, man, all these guys are doing such stupid. So we'll talk more about that today. And that's just the guys that are doing stuff, right? Right. Because there's a lot of guys that are uh, successful in some areas of their life, but then health, fitness, and your physique, not taking care of yourself can kind of fall on the wayside for guys or guys that used to be in shape and they kind of not where they used to be anymore, where you're inspiring because even at a little bit of an older age, I mean, let's be realistic. You're not that old. Like when you think of grandpa, like 80 year olds, right? But, uh, like you're, like you said, you're one of the most in shape guys. Like I'm always joking, pull your shirt up when we were out at dinner and you got, you got abs and everyone in the restaurant starts looking at you. So <laughs> no, that, t- that makes total sense. What, give us a couple of your secrets. Is it going to be the five laws of leanness or is there another secret that you wanted to share? I mean, we'll cover the five laws, which will cover, uh, there'll be a lot of like little tidbits of, I guess you could call them secrets or protocols that I use that I believe in that we can talk about. But I think it goes back to what you just said, Mike, is like, there's a lot of the guys that are doing stupid stuff. And then it's almost better to work with the guys that just don't have the habits in place because they don't have false belief systems. And I think, you know, that's really, it ties right into a law of leanness number one on our list here, which is stop lying to yourself and start cultivating the right BS. And then when I say BS, it's not the BS most people think about. I'm talking about your belief system. Um, we could use, uh, I could share a couple studies and examples of this, but a lot of these guys that I would talk to, you know, they would ask me what my secret is. And then when I want to tell them some of my secrets, they don't want to be coachable and listen to it. It's like, well, the, so the first question I've learned to ask after they ask me, what's your secret? I'm like, well, are you coachable? Because if That's you're not a great question. <laughs> right. I'm not going to even tell you because... You sit here and you ask me and then I give you the advice and you reject it because you're so clung on to your false beliefs that you need more cardio or you need to cut carbs or whatever it is. We could talk more about that. But when it comes to um, body composition or any worthy goal in life, I think it goes back to that Henry Ford quote from years ago, right? Whether you believe it or not, you're going to be right. And it all goes back to your BS and your belief system. And there's whether uh, you look at books like The Placebo Effect that drive this point home where guys who were visualizing they were doing bicep curls gained almost as much muscle as the guys who were doing the curls, right? So that's just one of many examples. The smoothie study is getting a lot of traction now. It's a great one because it shows the way that your mind affects uh, your weight loss. And what they did is they took two groups of dieters and they gave them both a 360 calorie smoothie. So both groups got the same smoothie. Now, one group was told that it was a fattening, high-sugar smoothie that was over 500 calories. The other group was told that it was a diet smoothie and that it was only 160 calories. And so they did blood work at the 30, 60, 
and 120 minute mark after they consumed the shake. And then while they were doing the blood work, they had them review the label. So they were instilling these beliefs in their head. And then people who thought it was a diet shake released double the ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone, in their blood than the group who thought it was a fattening high sugar shake. And so this just goes to show you that even though they were both consuming the same exact thing, calorie and macro wise, the effects that it had on their hormones were completely on different planets. And this is why I'm a huge advocate of focusing on hormones versus dieting. And we talk more about that. Now, the other study that I'll mention before we move on to another law, because I think it's super important, it does begin with your belief system. If you don't believe in your ability to transform your body or any worthy goal in life, you're not going to do it. It's just that simple. So they had uh, two groups of maids, okay, that they cleaned hotel rooms. And they simply took half of those maids and informed them, just let them know, hey, did you know every day when you clean hotel rooms that your job meets the requirement for the daily exercise for the Surgeon General? And so they were just informed. So every day in their head when they're cleaning their hotel rooms, they were thinking about what they were told. The other group was told nothing, wasn't informed at all. And when they started the study, they did BMI, they did measurements, they weighed them in, blood pressure, cholesterol. And at the end of the study, the group that was just informed had lost more weight, had better BMI, had better cholesterol levels and better blood pressure than the group that just was not told anything. So just the fact that they knew in their head they had the right belief system change the results that they got even though their job did not change at all that's, that's amazing and it's yeah. it's just a law put that anywhere if you don't think it's possible there's no way that it's possible whether it's athletics um, your career your relationships whatever your goal is you you have to believe it to achieve it but then there's that missing component which we're going to talk about today which is action because you can sit under a tree and think these things and that's going to help, right? It's going to help. It's good. But to get the real big results, you got to do something too. And that's what we're going to dig into. Yeah, a guy can move the mountains, but you got to bring your shovel. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if he sends you a, a rescue helicopter, that was right. God trying to help you. So, so right. hop on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, let's dig in. Let's share with us uh, law of leanness number one. So law of leanness number one is stop lying to yourself and start cultivating the right BS. So that's what we just talked about, right? Your, your belief system. So the last thing that I'll share on that particular law is I carry that over into the law of association. And I think that um, this is important because anytime that you begin any new endeavor, whether it's a body transformation or any goal, right? it sucks at first because there's pain and there's resistance. And I think weight training is like the perfect example of this. You know, it is going to suck because it's painful and your mind associates working out with that pain. But then after a couple weeks of experiencing the mental and the physical and the hormonal benefits that happen before or during and after that workout over time, your mind stops associating that workout with pain and starts associating it with that feeling of pleasure. So now, instead of associating a weight training workout with pain and resistance, because of the association your mind makes with the hormonal and the physical and the mental positive benefits of it, now take over and outweigh the uh, the negative side of this. Now, the key to this is that 
this is the secret to motivation, really, because if you think about willpower or motivation, it's almost like a cell phone battery. It, de- it depletes as the day goes on and gets lower. But when you have this positive association, you're just going to go work out anyway, even when you don't feel like it. And I think that's the key. And, and a lot of people will say, man, dude, what's, how do you stay so motivated? What's your secret? There is no secret to motivation. It's the law of association. I just know, I associate, my mind and my body associates working out with feeling positive and getting the positive benefits from that. And so even when I don't feel like going to the gym and working out, it's just built into my DNA and it's part of who I am. I just do it anyway because of the law of association. I'm associating that's that. That's great. You, men- you mentioned uh, a couple of weeks and that's the hump there in so many things where you got to get past that initial hump where it's not going to be that easy. But then you get you start getting some of those feelings and associations, like you said, and then then you can ride that. But you're right. Motivation. It's like feelings. If we do everything based on our feelings, it'd be really hard to make any progress in life because there's a lot of things we got to handle. We got to take care of regardless of how we feel. You still got to do what you got to do if you're trying to get results. And it's that consistency that you said as well. Whether you're motivated or not, you got to get those good associations. And I think you get what you focus on too. If you've got a bad attitude about it, right, and you just associate it with pain and uncomfortableness and whatever other bad feelings you have, that's the opposite. That's just going to feed into you going in the wrong direction. Yeah, what you focus on expands. So if you're focusing on the negative, you're going to get more of the negative, period. Focus on more right. of the positive, you're going to get more of the positive. It's really that simple. Yeah, that was, that was an easier way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's, what's law that? number two? Law number two, let's go. Stop being a 94%er and start being a 6%er. And so I have a philosophy when I started this new branch of my business, which is my hormone reset coaching for elite men over 40 and 50. One, one of the things that I don't believe in is dieting. I always say, what's the first three letters of the word diet, Right. And so this goes back to like, dude, what's your secret? Well, I don't diet, right? That's my, that's one of my secrets because the first three letters are die because all diets do die. And the reason I call it a 94%er versus a 6%er is because 94% of all dieters gain all or more of their weight back. Now UCLA wow. did a meta-analysis where they reviewed dozens of studies on dieting, dozens, and they compiled them into one meta-analysis and the conclusion was clear that 94% of the people gained all or more of their weight back within one to five years. And the biggest loser contest is actually the perfect example of this. I think it was season six and it was like they followed the contestants for five years afterwards and out of the nine contestants, like six of them had gained all or more of their weight back. Two of them weighed more than they did before the show and I think it was only one person that actually kept it off long term. And it was because of the extreme crash dieting and the hormonal decline that takes place with dieting. And so um, the reason I don't believe in dieting is because it's associated with restriction, right? So for me, it's all about sustainability. And so when I say start being a six percenter, it's like start using an approach that you can use forever. Like everybody always asks me, well, what's the best diet to follow? Well, one that you can adhere to. I mean... So that's really the reality of it. So when people, right, people, them, people are very emotionally connected to their food too and things they like and to be told like this thing's gone forever or we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, you can power through anything maybe for a couple months, but you're going to be able to live the rest of your life like this. Right. The sustainability is key. It's the it, it, adherence is everything. And that's why I use carb cycling. I've always believed in carb cycling. There is absolutely no reason to eliminate 
any food group or any food that you love unless you're allergic or have a sensitivity to it. Um, if you follow the basic rules of thermodynamics, which we can talk about here a little bit more, um, you do not have to worry about cutting out or eliminating any food groups. Uh, and the reality is, is that if you simply just simply get your protein in every single day, you get your water in, and you are in a calorie deficit at least five out of seven days of the week, that's really all it takes, especially for a man. I mean, men are a lot easier because literally we're like one cell amoebas. You just, you do the work and you, you follow the basic laws and you lose the weight. Women, on the other hand, are more like Rubik's Cubes. They are a lot more complex. I mean, I've watched my wife diet off for eight weeks in a row, um, work out, work out, not touch a drop of sugar, alcohol, and hardly lose a pound. But she also had a messed up belief system about this is never going to work. And Right. And, and it's not going to work. And I just, it's not working. And, and it didn't. And then uh, a year later, I did 75 hard and she just cooked my food for me and just ate what I ate and didn't pay attention. And she was down like 12 pounds. Yeah. Like Rubik's Cube plus not having those uh, negative beliefs in that situation. We yeah. actually have a whole podcast on that. If you uh, look it up, we did that talking about 75 hard. Right. Um, with you talking about yeah. that journey. So if anybody wants to check that out, look it up on our, uh, on our podcast. It's the 75 hard episode with Sean. Yeah. And I think 75 hard too, it, you know, I think that there is a lot of benefits to it, but at the same time, I think that it can mess people up because again, it's not sustainable. Yeah. That's more like mental toughness and right. show giving yourself some confidence so that you can have some discipline, but not a long-term approach Just right. something to maybe give you a reset or show you that you can do something hard. Right. Anything so, hard. Yeah. And so you go back to the, you know, stop being a 94 percenter for me that just stop dieting, like stop following something that you're never going to be able to maintain. I mean, I, I, I saw a guy at the gym last week, looked fantastic. I could tell he had been working often lost a lot of weight. I'm the first guy to go compliment somebody. I walked up to him, I like, did. I can tell you've been working your ass off. And he's like, yeah, carnivore, man. Like carnivore, carnivore, carnivore. I was like, well, that's awesome. Are you going to go the rest of your life without eating a carb? Like he kind of looked at me and didn't even know how to answer that. Cause it's like, you're not gonna be able to do it. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, I'm not saying keto can't work. I'm not saying carnivore can't work. They've done studies of low carb versus high carb. And when all things are created equal with calories and protein, the low carb and the high carb groups lose just, they use the same amount of weight. They have the same blood work, the same blood sugar, the same cholesterol, the same blood pressure, right? Because at the end of the day, they're getting their protein and their, and their calorie requirements are in line by being in a deficit. And so understanding that, uh, beginning with the end in mind, what does this look like? Because if you know you're just going to gain all or more of your weight back, why even bother starting with it? So to me, it's you're much better off taking an approach that you know you can maintain ongoing and long-term and use it as an actual lifestyle. No, I totally, totally agree. That's huge. I, I would just say, yeah, 94% numbers might even be worse, right? Or right. is that the study said 94% of diets yeah, fail? Just, yeah. yeah. I think they looked at like 31 different studies with like dozens of different diets and they compiled yeah. all that and they came And everybody can argue that every diet works and it's like, sure, but for how long? Right. That's why I say, well, what's the first three letters? Die. Right. They always end up 
She always ends up dying. <laughs> I love this next tip. I don't know what you're going to say, but I imagine you're uh, going to bust some myths on doing too much cardio. Tell us about uh, tell us about lie number three. Yeah, so law number three is like stop exercising like a girl and start moving like a man. And I think, you know, one of the biggest myths in our industry is that things like cardio and hit and ab routines are going to be the best exercises for getting abs and losing stubborn fat. And, you know, although cardio clearly has its benefits and so does hit and so do ab routines, they're not really necessary to get amazing results. I mean, they should be secondary to other things that you're doing. Um, I mean, we can look at people who do excessive cardio. If you look at studies on marathon runners and guys who do like triathletes or chronic joggers and they test their hair, their hair has elevated cortisol concentrations in it. And then they did several studies on men and women who did excessive amounts of cardio and their resting thyroid and leptin hormones decline rapidly with too much cardio. So I'm not saying don't do cardio. I'm just saying cardio is not necessary to lose belly fat. And cardio really should be more of a longevity, anti-aging, cardiovascular, brain-strengthening tool than it is a fat loss tool. I mean, you do an hour, hour of cardio, you burn a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You're much better off just not eating the sandwich if you're trying to lose fat. Right. You're on the treadmill running a mile and it's like, oh, I don't think I even burned off one piece of pizza. So it's right. not it's not for fat burning, but you know what? Blood's pumping, my lungs are working, I'm working my heart, cardiovascular system. So it's got benefits for sure, but we're talking about fat loss here. So don't stop your cardio, but don't think you gotta do an hour of cardio to lose fat. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to outrun your bad diet, right? It all starts in the kitchen. Everybody knows this. And you go you know, the same thing happens with crunches. I mean, I remember that article from years ago, Mike, you might remember it from men's health, where they said it takes twenty two thousand crunches just to burn a pound of fat, right? So you're really just burning, you know, you're not burning any fat when you do abbot routines. You're just working a muscle underneath the goo that you need to burn off. So instead you know, that's the one thing that I noticed about uh, all these high performers that I hung out with over the years is that if you just simply replaced a lot of your cardio and your ab routines with higher intensity weight training, you're going to 10x your ROI. There's just no doubt about it. And I think that that's a huge mistake that a lot of people make. Uh, resistance training is by far the best exercise in the world for you because you know, the second we turn 40, the first thing that happens is elevated sarcopenia, which is muscle loss. And so resistance training and obviously protein, we'll talk about more in a second here, is the key to preventing that. And then when it comes down to weight training, and I'll use you as an example here, Mike, because we were talking about you potentially becoming a client for me and me coaching you a little bit, right? Holding you a right. little bit accountable. And you, you made it very clear, like, listen, man, I'm building my business. My kids are running me around ragged. They're doing travel sports. I don't have time to freaking be married to a fitness plan, right? And that's why I built this whole program out is because of guys like you. You're in the perfect position. You're exactly the guy that can benefit from what I teach because you said to me, well, I can just still do my same weight training routines, right? It's all diet. And I'm like, no, you need to do my weight training routines because my weight, when I do weight training, I have beads of sweat pouring off me and my shirt is soaked. Why the guy next to me is farting around talking to his buddy, resting two minutes between each set, and then he's coming up to me saying, man, how do I look like you? Well, it's like, well, stop farting around between each set. 
right? And, and so um, this goes back to what I call the compound effect or synergy. So it's never your diet. It's never your exercise routine, right? And it's never your mindset or your BS. It's the synergistic effect of all three of those things working together consistently, not perfectly. And that compound effect of those three things working together synergistically and consistently is 10 times more powerful than the individual parts alone. So I could take the guy when I did, when we were doing uh, 75 hard, all these guys in this group, there was like 17 of us. Gary Watson was the only guy older than me, right? Everybody else was younger than me, like 10 years younger than me. I kicked all their and the thing was, is like, I talked to these guys, like one guy was running seven miles a day. Other guy was like cutting out carbs after five and trying to lose muscle because he wanted to be faster. Well, that's the dumbest goal I've ever heard in my life because muscle is going to make you faster, right? And it's going to make your endurance better. And so it, you, I see all these guys doing dumb shit. And yeah, was, just- um, we got, um, we got body fat testing done. Uh, it was me, Gary and Chris, who's the other host of the show, you know, Chris, and uh, I really wasn't even part of this thing, right? I didn't do 75 hard. I just wanted to go with and get tested. And Gary, um, I think he was dieting. He was not eating enough protein. And we're throwing him under the bus right now, but we've said it to his face before. He didn't eat enough protein. And he was doing double sessions, and he was um, too much cardio and not enough uh, weight training. And I had lower body fat percentage than him. It was crazy. And like, I'm not dieting. I was not eating good. But what I was doing was like strenuous strength training a few times a week. And that was enough to have like lower body fat than him. And that goes to prove my point, right? So if you're a pear or an apple-shaped body and all you do is cardio and diet your way to weight loss, you become a smaller pear or apple. Now you look skinny fat like Gary did. <laughs> right, a and smaller pear. <laughs> and I've had that talk with him. Like, dude, you need more protein. We've talked about this. Like, you know, he's in a deficit, but he can't lose belly fat. It's like, yeah, dude, your cortisol is so hot. You like, he just hormonally, he's not treating his body the right way. And that's all. I mean, all that, that leads into number four, right? Yeah. Which is stop eating like a girl and start eating like a man. And I think the main thing there is um, carbs. So a lot of men don't understand. I mean, when I look at men's diets, it's like, dude, you eat like a woman. Like What's a woman eat like? Just like, kind of snacking like, on carbs a lot? And snacking on stuff and just like, you know, they're getting decent amount of protein, but not liberal. And then, of course, they're avoiding the carbs because they think the carbs make them fatter. And that's completely a myth. And it's, you know, it's all about um, hormonal entrainment and understanding how to time and combine your carbs the right way. But before I kind of mention some of that stuff, it's super under, super important to understand how carbs work inside of our body and why they will make you more of a man. They will increase testosterone. They will boost metabolic rate. They'll increase thyroid and leptin hormones. So glucose from foods like white potatoes, white rice, just starchy carbs, right? Bananas is a building block of thyroid and leptin hormones. So most people don't know that thyroid hormones are a glucoprotein or a glycoprotein. Glyco means glucose. So your body needs glucose to build thyroid and leptin hormones. And in fact, in order for your body to make natural steroids in the mitochondria, you need T3 to produce testosterone. And so when you start cutting out carbs chronically and you go on a low carb diet, 
your thyroid hormones plummet dramatically. This in turn lowers leptin. Now, these are the two hormones that are going to speed up your metabolism and control your body weight and regulate your weight loss, right? And they lead to higher testosterone production. So I'm not saying that manipulating carbs can't be effective. I'm just saying that low-carb diets in general are a disaster for a man who lifts weights like a man and works out and wants to look like a man in the mirror and that our body needs carbs. And you need that energy too, don't you? How are you going to work out hard without any energy? Well, they fuel ATP, you know, and we'll get a keto guy on here and he's going to argue because he's going to be, it's his religion. And that's the other thing I don't believe in. People treat their diet like it's a religion and it's just, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. And, and the guy's going to say, well, I run on ketones. Well, you might be able to do that. But even people who do long-term keto, research shows they end up needing thyroid medication. And that's why, because they're just not getting the glucose that they need to produce you know, hormones. And, and there's a not, you know, there's a lot of brand new research now coming out and, uh, just being stu studied and published right now about how low carb diets can lead to insulin resistance because you make your cells less receptive to glucose because you're not giving your body any glucose. So your cells become less insulin sensitive. And that can some people just stay low carb for way too long. They don't even have like a refeeding day or higher carb days on the weekends or anything. That's exactly. And you can actually end up eating a lot more calories and losing more weight when your hormones are in line like that. And I mean, there's been some research showing that. I mean, there, there was a study published showing that people who focused on hormones lost 65% more weight than those who counted calories. Now, that was only one study, so I don't like to cheer. I mean, you mentioned some of the hormones, testosterone, ghrelin. Yeah. What are the yeah. other ones that guys need to pay attention to? The thyroid and leptin, like I mentioned, right? Because you want to... So what I, what I would like to do, Mike, is I'll kind of share my philosophy on what I do on my dieting. Because instead of like telling people what to do, um, if you're a client, I'm going to freaking tell you exactly what to do because you're paying me for me to tell you that. But if you're not a client, I'm just going to say, hey, here's what I do. And then I try to customize that for the individual based on that. But for me personally, I like to follow a carb cycling diet where I do what's called a deplete day, Monday through Friday. And you're still having some carbs in the pre and or post workout window but just not a lot, like 75 to 100 grams a day. Um, now, if you're trying to aggressively lose fat and you're a man, I would cut that down to 50 grams of impact carbs Monday through Friday. That's not a lot, but it's enough to get you through your workouts. And when I say impact carbs, you just take the total carb grams and you subtract the fiber and what's left is your impact carbs. Those are the carbs that are going to impact insulin and, and blood sugar. Um, and so I, I don't count them to a T anally, but during the week, I have around 100 grams. Now, keep in mind, I'm not trying to aggressively lose. I already have abs. I'm just maintaining, right? So I go a little bit lower for somebody who's trying to lose. And then on Friday night, and sometimes even Friday morning, depending on how I feel, I know my body, I'll start carb loading and I'll have carbs because a couple of things happens. Number one, when you go four, five days with lower carbs, you downregulate your thyroid and your leptin hormones like I just discussed, right? So a great way to get them back cranking again because the second the day decline you get metabolic slowdown and your metabolism declines so every weekend carb load have your favorite carbs just don't be stupid and binge your stuff right or cheat like be smart about it and you'll spike those hormones back up and this falls in line with our social life i mean we're way more likely to go out and eat carbs on the weekend when we're going to events and we're hauling around the kids and we're eating out 
Um, so for me, it's more of a lifestyle approach where I go super high protein during the week and I go lower carb and it's not keto because you're having way more protein than you are keto and you're still having around 100 grams of carbs a day, which is not keto either, right? Um, but you're just fueling the workout more than anything else. You're using up those. So, and then on the weekends, you carb load, you reset your hormones, you get a psychological, a hormonal and a physical benefit from doing that. And then come Monday, I'll typically fast for 18 to 20 hours on Monday. And, and, and I only do it because I've eaten carbs all weekend. And I'm just not hungry. It's just the easy. It's just the easiest time to do it. You know what I mean? Well, that's interesting too. How does the, um, I guess the feelings or the cravings, that hump we talked about getting over that when you first kind of switched to the style of eating, are there kind of feelings of uh, having cravings or feeling like you want sweets or carbs for someone who hasn't eaten this way before? Yeah, what's, the init- what's it initially like versus maybe two, three weeks in? It's going to suck. Um, it's just the reality of it. It's going to suck. Like the first three or four days are going to suck because you're, if, you're, if you already have carbs in your diet, you're going to go through withdrawals. That's the carb flu, right? The low carb flu or the keto flu, right? So you're like after three or four days of low carbing, all of a sudden you're just going to feel depleted. You're going to feel brain fog. It's because your body is making a shift. You've drained. You have to remember that when you're on a higher carb diet, your glycogen levels, which is the energy in your muscle and liver tissue is full, right? And this is how people think that carbs make them fat because their glycogen levels are full. And then when they eat carbs, there's nowhere to store it because you're full so the carbs spill over and then you're way more likely to store them as fat or they're way more likely to trigger fat storage because they raise insulin so the whole idea is you drain out and deplete this glycogen monday through friday and it's super easy to do after the first week but that first three or four days you're going to go through that low carb flu but then you're going to experience a shift on like day four where the mental clarity comes back up again you start feeling great you get fat adapted. Your body starts finding stored fat as a fuel source because you've drained out your glycogen. And if you can make your body very efficient at depleting and replenishing glycogen from carbohydrates, it becomes more efficient at being a fat burner. And this is why I love the Monday through Friday, lower carb, not low, low carb, obviously lower carb and then carb load on the weekends, because not only does it cater to our social life, it caters to our hormones, right? And it becomes a lot easier to adhere to ongoing. And then you don't suffer the consequences of things like low carb diets. Yeah, it it makes sense. And it doesn't seem too extreme. And it fits, fits a lot of people's social life, like you said, what percentage of your clients kind of make it through that initial hump? All of them do because their motivation is the highest the first seven days. Right. And the reality is, is what I do now, I'm not selling a, you know, a $50 ebook or $200 worth of supplements anymore. You know, you're paying, you're making a substantial investment to work with me. Right. And so the reality is, is when people pay, they pay attention. Um, and because of that, their motivation is extremely high when they're invested financially. That first week, I have never had a client that has struggled with that. Like, they experience that brain fog, but because they know it's coming and I've set the expectation ahead of time, it's never a problem. It yeah. becomes a problem when somebody buys a $20 ebook. They don't have enough invested. Right. And it's like, ah, this, this isn't as easy as I thought. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> right. You don't want to let your coach down. That's the accountability part of this for me. Some, some of this that you're talking about I've heard before or ex- experimented with. Not all of it, but... Um, you know, have, having a coach and having somebody that you're held accountable to that you got to 
kind of report to, that can make a huge, huge difference for people. Yeah, it's the psychological behavior. If you look at... No, I mean, we already decided. We I talked about it with you driving up uh, to Savannah last week. Like, yep. we're going to do this. We're starting after uh, after the big meetings. Right. Well, to piggyback on that, Mike, is, you know, we talked a little bit about hormonal entrainment, and that's my big philosophy is I believe in hormonal entrainment because you made a comment. The one comment that stuck with me outside of the workouts was the comment about snacking. Um, you like to snack, and... Um, my comment was, is like, well, don't snack during the week, like to snack on weekends instead. And this is a rule. And here's the thing. You have to figure out what you're going to give up. Like you got to give up something, right? Like people, oh, I'm going to be hungry. Well, it's because you, is, it sounds miserable because you associate hunger with negativity. Okay. When I get hungry, I'm like, I'm burning fat. Like I have That's a cool. law of association, right? I'm like hunger pangs are a signal that your body is releasing ghrelin. Ghrelin is a precursor to growth hormone release, right? So now if I get hungry, the first thing that I'll do is I'll guzzle water. And if it doesn't go away, the hunger doesn't go away, I know it's true hunger. 90% of the time though, it'll go away. You just need to drink more water, right? Um, but at the end of the day, when you look when you look at, in general, the way that our hunger works, we always associate hunger, I'm going catabolic, unless muscle. I got to eat like, and it's just not true. It's association. You're like, you just have to associate being hungry with being okay with this sometimes and know that, right? That's part of the process is ah, sometimes you're going to have to be hungry. If you want to lose stubborn belly fat, yeah, there's going to be sacrifices. So what are you going to have to give up? And you have to pick your battles. Maybe you don't want to give up snacking, but something else is going to have to give up and you're you know, going to have to give away instead. For me personally, I don't snack during the week personally because Nuts, I like to snack on nuts, cheese, and nut butters, right? And I know that those three things are my weakness. And so if I just avoid those Monday through Friday, I'm saving 500 calories a day, okay? 500 That's a, that's a pound. <laughs> well, it's almost a pound of fat that I'm saving every week just by having one rule. And so you have to decide for yourself, what is your rules going to be? They don't have to be that painful. Like for me, it's not a problem because I know on the weekends I can snack all I want. Well, the association could work because for me, it wasn't really like I like snacks. It was more like, what do you do when you're hungry? Where right. having a big glass of water. Right. And you might not even really be hungry. It's just some stupid feeling, right? It's like, doesn't it actually mean like you need calories or anything? It's just yeah, like resetting like, some things. water and it goes away, you know it wasn't hunger. And that's why right. I said at least 90% of the time, if I get a hunger pang before like 1 p.m. because of my hormone, the way my hormones are trained, um, I won't get hungry. And so what I do Monday through Friday on top of the, the, the macro profile that I shared is not only is protein sky high, um, I fast, um, 16 hours, sip, it'd be like 15 to 17 hours Monday through Friday. Like Monday ends up being a longer one simply because I'm not hungry from the weekend carb load. But if you can do what I do, and that is eat your last meal of the day and your first meal of the day, Monday through Friday, close to the same time frame, not exact, within like a one to two hour window. So for example, I stopped eating between 9 and 10 p.m. Monday through Friday. And then I resume eating the next day between noon and two o'clock. And so Monday through Friday, I don't even get hungry until noon or 1 p.m. because I've trained my ghrelin 
to pulse at that time. So that's called hormonal entrainment. And so that's what I love about fasting. There's nothing like you could take uh, two dieters, one would fast and one would not fast. If all things are created equal, burning calories, protein wise, right? Calorie burn wise, they're going to get the same results. No question. One person could eat six small meals a day. The other person could fast and eat two. If the macros are the same and the exercise plan is the same and they're twins, they're going to lose the same amount of weight. However, I would argue that the adherence for the fasting group is 10 times easier. And at the end of the day, what's the best diet to follow? One that you could adhere to, right? So there's nothing magical about fasting when it comes to the actual results itself. But when it comes to adherence, I think fasting is superior. It's not for everybody, but I think those who can embrace it get in control of their emotional eating patterns. Right, and, so, and you didn't say to do this hungry. every day. Yeah, because I don't get hungry until 1 or 2 p.m. I don't have the desire to snack. All right. right. Yeah, we talked about this too, just that um, what's easier to plan your meal and do some meal prep or pack your lunch or have everything ready. And that's like requires effort, work, planning versus fasting. You do nothing. That's what you have to do is just do nothing. And you're not saying let's do this every day. It's just part of the strategy. Well, and if you think about like, if you look at like PCDs, right? Primary care doctors, they don't ever recommend fasting because there's no money to be made. Right. I mean, if you're fasting, who's making money? Nobody. Yeah, it's like the easiest diet advice ever. Oh, stop eating. <laughs> well, that crack cup is like the fasting bar. Like they have a protein bar. They call it the fasting bar. Well, it's, no, I should say anti-fasting bar because you're like, if you're eating that, you're not fasting. <laughs> right. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So, <laughs> but anyway, this goes back to just adherence, right? All, it's, all these tricks that I share for me personally that I use, it's all about dietary adherence. And, you know, my track record speaks for itself. I've been able to maintain my abs. I've fasted since 2010. And, uh, so you did it before it was cool. Yeah. Yep. I experimented it with it before it was cool. And it, it turned everything on its head because, I mean, I got lean back in the day eating six, seven small meals a day. You know, but at the at the same time, I was single. I was blue collar. I didn't own my own business, right? I didn't like, you know, I only had my daughter on the weekends. Wasn't married with 10 grandkids and running two businesses, right? So, you know, you you could make bodybuilding and eating five, six small meals a day a full-time job where guys like us, we don't have time for that. So at the end of the day, fasting just makes things easier to adhere to. And that's kind of like an excuse, uh, you know, I've, I've had it in my head too. It's like what I used to do in my twenties with hours of day of exercising and it was your life because it had to do with everything and nobody else was relying on you and you had a lot of extra time. So I didn't mind spending hours at the gym every day and thinking about this, reading about it, everything, right? Now there's really other priorities, but health and fitness, it's the foundation of all of it. If you can't show up for yourself, you're not, you're not going to be there for everybody else. So what, this kind of leads into number five. Why are people not like taking this as serious as they do these other areas, like the way they run their business? Yeah. Number five is like, stop being an amateur with your body composition and start treating your body like your business. You know, I, this is the other thing that happens with guys that I run into over the years is that, you know, they're all dialed in to, you know, their business, um, their business is an eight or a nine. And then they look in the mirror and they see a soft body. They're like a four or a five, right? And so it's just, it's, 
There's no congruency between their body and their business. And what I find is that guys that I work with, that if we can get that congruency working, it carries over. And all of a sudden, now they're making more money. All of a sudden, they're having better sex. All of a sudden, they have the energy. They're chasing their kids around the yard after work versus just like dreading it. They're looking forward to it. And so you have to look at, you know, what does treating your body like a professional, if you take your business serious, your family life serious, and not your body, then you're missing that one pillar that aligns them all for me personally. Right. Right? And so that's- And it will. There's an ROI on this. Like, what do you get on the investment in this? Like you just said, you're going to be better at home. You're going to show up better for your family, for your kids, for your wife, for your grandkids. You're going to have more energy at work. We all know you get more energy. You're going to feel better. You're going to have more confidence. You're going to have better presence when you walk into the room. I think people will take you more serious too. What does it say about you if you look out of shape or you don't take care of yourself? And it may or may not be true in all areas of your life, but it can look like you're potentially lazy versus a guy who, if you see a guy in shape walk into the meeting room, you know you know he takes care of business, he's disciplined and consistent. There's a lot of qualities. We've learned this since we were 15 years old. The lessons we've learned in the gym have served us well in life. You're and it's like, why, why stop? Right. You're, you're, you're judged by your appearance in four seconds or less. That's Everything I say, Sean's got a sentence that sums it up in like one sentence. <laughs> I'll ramble on. And Sean's like, you're judged by your appearance, bro. <laughs> <laughs> this goes, you know, it's funny because this goes back to the intro with the body for life. You know, um, 1998, um, I was just a 28 year old kid. Stuck in a small town, Bertrand, Michigan, little hillbilly, right? I was hanging around all the wrong people. Um, I actually made the majority of my money dealing LSD. Like my blue collar job during the day was just like my side money. My real money was delivering LSD to, you know, Saginaw County, like, you know, on the weekend. So I was like hanging around like just all the wrong people. And then I was in a grocery store one day and I was thumbing through magazines when back when people read magazines. And it was a muscle media magazine, and I saw this contest called Body for Life. And actually, it was called EAS Physique Transformation. It was right the year before he changed the name. And I started thumbing through it, and I started reading a story about a guy, Frank. I'll never forget this guy. And about how he was struggling being a dad and spending time with his kids and how his wife was keeping him from his kids and how he entered this contest and how everything changed. And it echoed my own situation because I was fighting for joint uh, legal custody rights of my own daughter. They would like, they kept her from me for the first five years of her life, off and on. Like, I, when they needed me to babysit, they'd call me up. And of course, I would jump on it because I never saw her. Right. And they ripped my soul apart, like, ripped it apart. And so I, when I read about this contest, I'm like, you know what? This is what I need. I need that anchor in my life. Like, I need that. And I, and I entered that contest. And 90 days later, I didn't hang around with any of those friends anymore. I stopped dealing drugs. I paid off all my debt. I mended broken relationships. I landed a modeling contract, was featured on ESPN, inside magazines, started a brand new career, turned around and opened up a personal training studio and scaled it to number eight in the world. All because of why? Fitness. That's it. Like, completely changed my life. And so these lessons, like, they need to carry, they need, they, they echo back when I was 28 years old all the way till now when I'm 52 years old. I've never lost that focus, right? And I think that 
there's a lesson there, not only about fitness, it's just about, in general, passion. Like, you can be as passionate as you want about something, but if you suck at it, then don't even worry, don't even bother. But, like, I think when you're passionate, you can become very good at something. And, like, it, ever since that contest, now, here we are, what, how many years later? 30 plus years later, right? And it's still serving me in the same exact way. And I still see guys in their 40s and 50s that are kicking ass in business and making money. And they got everything dialed in, but they're walking around with their Rolex or driving around in their Benz. And they get out and they're fat as and they look like And it's just a reflection of what's missing in their life. And so I just encourage everybody out there listening to this that don't forget that that investment of time that you make into eating right and exercise is going to 10x your ROI in every other area of your life. No, I mean, second that, amen, brother, for sure. And, you know, even if you're not, like, totally out of shape, this can still be extremely helpful just to get you kind of back on track and fine-tune things even more. It doesn't have to be like you have 75 pounds to lose. This could... Yeah, and you don't have to do 75 hard. Like, things like 75 hard. Like, don't get me wrong, it's a mental tough challenge and it's awesome, but it takes three to four hours a week of exercising, you don't have to like cut out your carbs. You can still enjoy your carbs. You can still enjoy your cocktails and your favorite foods. It's just about putting little hacks in place that make a big difference, like not snacking during the week. You start doing that with like getting your water in and making sure that you hit your adequate protein intake every single day. If you just track your water and your protein and you stop snacking, those three little hinges can move really big doors over time, right? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you yeah. can listen to this podcast and make incredible results and changes in your life by the stuff Sean's already talked about. So it's like you have the information right here, but I want to, I'm taking it to the next level. Um, I encourage you guys to join me. We'll definitely do a follow-up and talk about how things are going. So this is another thing, public, when you let people know what you're doing, and I just said it to like thousands of people, now you know I'm doing this. I can't come back on the show in two months and be like, yeah, I've been busy. I gained 10 pounds. It's like, it's out there now. So that's even more accountability, plus having a coach, which is an account accountability. And I'm in the fitness industry. This is what we do too, and I still have a coach. I own a business. I still have a business coach coach. A marriage is pretty good. I still have people helping me with that. Like successful people have coaches. It's so funny when people are like, why would you need a coach? I'm not paying for that. It's like, well, that's what successful people do. They have coaches in anything they want to get better at. I think what happens, dude, is you hit the nail on the head. And it's a great way to end this is like people think of the cost instead of the benefit. Like, right? So they're weighing out the cost of something. It's like somebody who, uh, a perfect story is like somebody who is going to invest in a car that is, you know, a $200,000 car. Like, gee, there's a lot of people, like, example, we, we I bought a C8 Corvette a couple of years ago. I bought it from her. My wife's always wanted a red bat. I'm like, make her dream come true. I'm going to buy her a red bat. And, you know, my son came over and he's like, I just don't care about cars. And I'm like, all right, well, that's cool. But me personally, when I got in that car and I drove that car, it made me more successful. Just because of the feeling that it gave me that I earned the right 
to have that car. And so when we look at like investing in anything, whether it's material or it's our body or it's our health, instead of seeing it as a cost, are we viewing it as an investment, right? Are we looking at what it's going to cost us or are we looking at what the end result is going to be? So again, this goes back to your beliefs yeah. and the way you position it. That analogy it. was good. Um, last week when we talked, when I talked to you, I rented that um, the Mustang Shelby, right? It was a um, GT V8, <laughs> 500 horsepower. And you'd think it's a waste of money to rent that to drive from Tampa to Savannah. Like, why? But the feeling of getting that got me in the right headspace, the right mindset, showing up for the meetings, ready to, like, take it serious, tackle it, and get the most out of it. Like, I feel like that money was was an investment, but somebody else could have looked at it in the exact same way as that's a waste of money. You could have rented something cheaper and saved money. So, yeah, you can save money or you can get, get results and and make changes, change your vibration. 100%. Yep. So where, where do people um, get in touch with you? How do they connect with you? Do you got any freebies to give out? Talk to yeah, us. Yeah, I think uh, just go to theripgrandpa.com and, uh, you know, you enter in your email there, you'll go on my list. I'll give you a free cheat sheet and a report that you can use. They're literally, just go to page four on that free report and you're going to have my three-step hormone reset that we really didn't dive into today. We did a little bit with timing, but I talked about combinations and how to time your meals before and after workouts. It's just like one sheet, literally, it'll give you like a roadmap that you can follow. Um and then my handle on Instagram is and YouTube is the Rip Grandpa, the Rip Grandpa. Nice. All right, Sean, we appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking time out of your day talking to us. We'll definitely have a follow up. You're a repeat guest on the show. Thanks again, Mr. Sean. And uh, for all you listening out there, if you found value in today's episode, be sure to uh, pass that on. Tell some people about the show. Uh, make sure you subscribe to hear about upcoming episodes. And thank you again so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Strong by Design podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe so that more people can find out about our show. Plus, you don't want to miss any future episodes with the amazing guests and topics we have lined up for you. 